The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor Sarah A. Speed in the Sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person, or on live stream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here's Reverend Speed. Our scripture passage today comes from a whole host of nitpicked verses from Hebrews chapter 11. So listen now for God's word. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that were not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future of Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if they were on dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more could I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have three different books about the history of this wonderful church sitting on my desk. Three. 
They were gifts from the archives, books that have been passed down from staff member to staff member to make sure that new staff like me can learn the history of this wonderful place. For months, I've been looking at these three books at the edge of my desk, intending to read them. And this week, I finally did. I was on vacation with my family in Maine for the last few days, and like the real church enthusiast that I am, I took one of these FAPC history books with me for some light learning. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) Friends, you would not believe all the things that I learned about this church. For example, did you know that by faith, One of the first things that Reverend Dr. Alexander, who was installed as a pastor in this congregation in 1844, did when he was hired, was to build up a ministry for teenage boys. He was worried about young people. He was worried about life on the streets, so he nurtured into being a ministry called the Young Men's Social and Benevolent Society. Catchy, right? This group had lectures and prayer gatherings, fellowship and sports. Now, while I wish that women had been included, this was a significant step in caring for young people at the time. And it's a step I am grateful for. Rumor even has it that the success of this FAPC ministry ended up serving as inspiration for the YMCA which was founded seven years later. I also learned that by faith, this congregation in the mid-1800s, during the peak of the Irish potato famine, started industrial schools to help immigrant families learn trades and get jobs. You see, New York City was being flooded with poor and hungry families in need, and this church responded. Fifth Avenue created school programs for the children. They held festivals for the families. They offered worship services in different neighborhoods to help meet people where they were. The first year, apparently, every window in their makeshift school was broken, but the church did not stop serving. I learned in this book that by faith, Members of this church also started a fresh air camp for kids. Adults in this congregation were worried about children on the streets during the hot summer months. As a result, the congregation rallied together and bought a home by the sea on six acres of land in Branchport, New Jersey. And by 1891, Upwards of 90 kids would be taken at a time out of the city to that house by the sea for 10 days of freedom and open air. And last but not least, I could go on forever. I learned that during World War II, the Women's Association paused their normal flow of work to redirect all their energy to war relief efforts. In 1943, the Red Cross sent out a call for eight million surgical dressings to be made. 
the women's association here at this church turned their space into a workroom. They opened it Monday through Friday, and those women's together made 6,000 bandages a month. And they sewed an additional hundreds of garments for British children uprooted by the war. Friends, I could go on and on with these inspiring stories. As I read through this little blue book, I repeatedly found myself writing in the margins and quickly turning pages, inspired and honestly shocked at times by the conviction, creativity, and risk that members of this church took in faith. I imagine that's why we have three history books about FAPC and not just one. Because these stories inspire us. And I imagine that's why so many of you have told me stories of your own. Stories about Margaret Schaefer who fought for people to have the right to sleep on the church's front steps. Stories about opening these sanctuary doors on September 11th, even in our fear. Stories about sponsoring a refugee family in need. Stories like the one in this book. I think the reason we write and tell stories like these is because these stories have the capacity to remind us who we are and where we come from. And on hard days, that dose of encouragement can be just enough to keep us going. I think the writer of Hebrews must have known this because that encouragement, that storytelling is exactly what we see in our text for today. I find Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter we read this morning, to be a powerful and unique chapter. We aren't sure who wrote the letter to the Hebrews, and we're not exactly sure who was receiving said letter. But what we do know is that this letter was written to a group of people who were struggling to hold on to their faith. I imagine we have all been there a time or two. Knowing this context, the author of the letter spends the first 10 chapters trying to encourage people to hold on to their faith by telling them about Jesus. He says things like, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. And Jesus has been found worthy of even greater honor than Moses. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. These quotes are the author's way of telling the early church, this really is the Messiah, so don't give up. After several pages of this, after several pages of conversation about Jesus and how wonderful Jesus is, the author seems to change their approach. I imagine it this way. If I was to tell someone on the street why I believed in God, I would first start by telling them about God. I would tell them about all the ways my spirit feels that there is something bigger than me. 
I would tell them about how when I look at the stars in the sky or when I hear people sing at a funeral, I am just certain in my bones that there must be a God. And I would tell them that for me, that God is love. And if back and forth conversation about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit still didn't seem to resonate with that person, then the next thing I would tell them about is you. I am certain that if I was trying to encourage someone in their faith, I would tell them about you. I would point out the good that people of faith have done over the years, and I would let their stories, your stories, serve as inspiration. Friends, it seems to me that that is what the writer of Hebrews is doing in our text for today. The writer spends the first 10 chapters of the book talking about Jesus, and then in chapter 11, the author pivots. The author pivots to talk about those who have gone before and says, listen up, church. If nothing has resonated thus far, if you still aren't sure, if you are still afraid, then may I remind you that by faith, Abraham kept going. And by faith, Isaac and Jacob kept going. And by faith, Rahab and Joseph and Moses kept going. Family, I think the reason we tell hopeful stories of those who have gone before is because they remind us who we are and where we come from. And on hard days, that dose of encouragement can be just enough to keep us going. The early church needed that reminder, and so do we. I can attest to the way that telling stories of those who have gone before can impact someone. I've experienced it in my own life. I was in my first call, newly ordained, fresh out of seminary, when a handwritten letter landed on my desk. It was a beautiful white crisp envelope with no return address. I tore open the letter to find a note from a stranger telling me all the reasons why they believed that women were not worthy or qualified to be pastors. Now let me say I have never received this kind of treatment from within the Presbyterian Church or any congregation that I have ever served. But I know that not all believe that women should preach, let alone speak and worship. These letters are, not, are nothing like the persecution that the early church faced or like the oppression that so many in our modern-day society still face. But any time I receive one of those feisty notes with hurtful words, it still can sting a bit. So I remember trying to joke about it in the office and putting on a brave face, but a few days later, those words were still tumbling around in the back of my mind. And so I did what I imagine most female clergy do at some point or another. I called another female pastor. I told her about the letter. I let her be mad on my behalf, and then I said, 
I know it's crazy to let this get to me, but some days can just be hard. And that's when, just like the letter to the Hebrews, she told me of women who had gone before me. She said, Sarah, remember Miriam. Miriam led the people through that sea. And she said, Sarah, remember the women at the tomb? They were not afraid. And then she told me about the Reverend Dr. Margaret Towner, who was the first woman ordained in the Presbyterian Church here in New York back in 1956. And if I'm honest, it sounded like, by faith, Miriam, by faith, Martha, by faith, Mary, by faith, the Reverend Dr. Margaret Towner. Friends, sometimes on our hardest days, we need to hear the stories of those who went before us. Because these stories remind us who we are and where we come from, and we need that. We need that dose of encouragement to carry us through. So I have no idea what life will be like in 100 or 200 years, but I'm pretty sure that being a Christian will still not be easy. Knowing that, I think one of the greatest gifts that we could offer the future of this brave church is to live by faith today. For wouldn't it be lovely if the like the letter to the Hebrews, future generations of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church could look back at us and say, by faith, those folks in 2022 did everything that they could to welcome people into the pews. By faith, they became a beacon of affirmation in this city where people knew that all could belong. By faith, they fed thousands and thousands of people who needed meals. By faith, they tried new things, launching initiatives to care for neighbor and community and to gather together. By faith, they were brave. They took risks. They ran the race with perseverance. By faith, they were the church right here in New York City. Friends, I believe we can be those people because you have already been those people for me. By faith, Reverend Dr. Alexander. By faith, Betsy Jackson. By faith, Dr. Bennell. By faith, Margaret Schaefer. The list goes on. Faithful living is in your DNA, Fifth Avenue. So let us be brave in our work. Let us take risks. Let us not be afraid to try new things, to dream big, to imagine what God could do here in this space so that down the road, when hard days come, and they will come, those who are in these pews next will have stories to tell. With God's help, May it be so. Amen. Faithful living is in your DNA. So let us be brave in our work. Let us take risks and dream big so that future generations will look back 
and we'll have stories to tell. Now, as you leave this place, may you love as if love is not a scarcity. May you hope like there is a better tomorrow. May you live like we belong to one another, because we do. And may you trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So in the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go now in peace. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.